minutes. If they want. So, um, I had uh, just just to start this sermon. I, I work really hard, just so that you know. I work really hard to not blend sermons from week after week after week. And last week I was writing one and preparing one for here, and writing one for my daughter's wedding. And some of you would say, well, that's a neat pleasure. And it was a neat pleasure, but there was all sorts of semi-uncomfortable spots in the preparation for the wedding. And I just want to share some notes with you. Um, giving you the marital counseling for your daughter, <laughs> who, who um, how should I put this? Um, some of you know me as fairly strong-willed. <laughs> no. <laughs> she she um she's a little stronger world than I am. <laughs> and so we're having this thing and when can I have this sort of understanding that neither of us will really ever break in the situation and um we were doing this and part of marital counseling is the sexual fidelity stuff. And now you think that that's, that could be uncomfortable to talk about that with somebody that, that you might know, but what about your own tits? <laughs> but as I was preparing the sermon, a line came into my mind as I was preparing the charge for, this, for, the, for the wedding. And, the, and the, this line is this, it, it goes like this. God's devastatingly persistent grace that we do everything within God's, within a framework, as Christians, as people that believe, we do everything within his persistent grace that just keeps persisting. And it's so persistent, it's, it's sort of to those strong world amongst us. It can be a devastatingly persistent thing. It just keeps moving and keeps coming, and, and pretty soon it overwhelms. And if you're going to be overwhelmed, in some ways you're going to be shattered or devastated or something by that. And so that tells you a little bit about what's gone on in my life as well, because I was, I was almost positive in college that I would never believe that Jesus thing. And yet his grace keeps coming. And I want to talk about that, this framework of God's devastatingly persistent grace from Romans 8, 20 and beyond. I know this thing says a different, a different verse configuration than that, but every time you start, the verses started at 26, and, and there's a line in there um, that, that said, likewise, and... If you hear somebody say, likewise, at the beginning of a conversation, um, you should begin to think, did I miss something? And so I went back to verse 20, and I'm going to, or 18. And so this is um, in the framework of God's grace. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God's will will reveal who his children really are. Yet against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse, 
but the eager hope that creation looks forward with to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. I don't want to get past that moment there for a second. Do you have something in your life where you kind of groan about what's going on? Is there is there something not quite right in your life and, and every time you bump up against it, you kind of groan and, and sometimes you don't really have words for it? Or sometimes it's gone on so long, the words you have is, How long, O oh Lord? Creation is in that same spot. Not just this, this is, as I had to sit down and write this, there's a, a quote from Jonah. When Jonah says, I don't want to go to Nineveh, they're God's enemies. And God says, there are thousands of people there and many cows. Shouldn't God be concerned for the cows? Just, just take that in for a moment. That, that, that if anything in creation matters, then it all matters to God. And if creation's groaning, now this is our framework. It looks forward to the day when the children, when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of that future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. If I just stop right there, is there anybody here that doesn't long to be released from what's gone wrong in their life or what's going wrong? I just hold my hand up. I've got a spot in my life. I just long to be released from that. Right. We all do. So does creation. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us the full rights as his adopted children. We were given this hope when we were saved. By the way, saved is shorthand for trust Jesus for the salvation that God has provided. So if I just said, let me say that again. It says saved in here. Saved is lingo, is Christian means. If you walk up to somebody and say, and they're non-Christian, and you say, have you been saved yet? They don't know what that means. They don't. And so you should be willing to explain to them that, that there's stuff that's gone wrong in their life that they can't do anything about, but God could, and he had a plan in the beginning to make it right and that you trust Jesus who is the living embodiment of God on earth to explain who God is and that plan and to make a way for us. Thus, when you trust that, you are saved. Right? So, so when we use those shorthand terms, I want to make sure we, we sort of talk those things out just a little bit. What it means to be saved. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays within us for the groanings that cannot be expressed in words. This is why I talk about stuff going wrong in your life and, and things are going there and, and they just sort of churn in your belly. And, you're, and that's about what you can manage. 
is so gracious. His persistent grace does something for us. It doesn't just name Jesus um, in such a way that his name points to what he does. It doesn't just send Jesus so that something might happen. He sends Jesus so that it can happen, so that we can be called, so that we can, we can trust in him, that we can be saved. But then the Spirit comes within us in the meantime and groans along with us and all creation. So let's lay this out just a little bit. He didn't have a plan and just write it out on paper and say, there it is. He had a plan, wrote it out on paper in advance, stuck to it and then in the midst of the plan comes and lives inside us in such a way so that we can be part of the plan and changed and 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 live into that spot in the meantime there's events that shatter us there's events that just well maybe they're not so fast that they shatter us maybe they just sort of slowly grind us into the ground I, you know, I, I have a couple of those in my life. They're just trying to slow grind, and yet there's these other moments where I just sit there and the fast things happen and they're over. But God's Spirit, His grace, puts His Spirit inside me, not just to feel what I feel, but to help me align myself with God's plan and to grow with me. I want to talk about persistent grace. Grace that just doesn't give up and say, well, you didn't make it today, so you're having a bad day, so I'm out of here. Have you experienced that with people in your life that something goes wrong and, and they're just out, they're done? Well, that's people, that's not God. He's persistent in this grace. And we know that he causes everything to work. It, it, I skipped a verse here. And the Father knows all the hearts and knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I want, I want to... Uh, do a little uh, fact check here. If you think that that actually says that God makes everything good, that's not what that says. He does not make that thing in your life that's grinding you into the ground, that's causing you to groan. That is not good. He's going to turn whatever happens in your life to good when you're called according to his purpose, which is that you trust in him and love him. For God knew the people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn of them, many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him, and having called them, he gave them the right standing to be with himself. And having given them the right standing, he gave them his glory. 
so some of you would know this. This is a very famous thing in some other translations. Those he foreknew, he predestined, and those he predestined, he called, and those he called, he justified, and those he justified, he glorified. There's some problems with the word predestined in this location. But the problems aren't from the word predestined, they're from our understanding of who God is. We think that God is bound by time, but if God is not bound by time, then suddenly he can see all of creation and all of it played out all at the same time, and so he knows who will choose. And then he starts making a path for those that will choose. And so you have to hold in tension these ideas that God is 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 making it making a way for people to be saved and for for humans to have the right to say, no, I I, I don't want that. And this is this is the tension that we have here is that God's predestination of us comes with these other meanings that says like you don't really have a choice if we understand that what God's after is this loving relationship you can't force anybody to love you I'll get to this in a little later but this devastatingly persistent grace is for one thing and I'm going to read this here now since what shall we say about these wonderful things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Since he didn't spare his own son, but gave him up for us, won't he give us everything else too? Who dares accuse us from when God has chosen us for his own? No one, for God himself gives us right standing with himself. If he's the judge, and he's given me right standing, what right do the accusers have? you see how different that works even in our court of law if the judge says nope not guilty you can accuse people you just don't have any leg to stand on and since he didn't hold anything back he didn't even hold himself back from helping make the way it keeps going. There's so much more here. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and raised us to new life and is sitting in the place of honor at the right hand of God, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from God's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? No. We live on earth. Those of you who don't live on earth won't have any trouble or calamity. But if you live here, there will be some. Or persecuted, or hungry, or destitute, or in danger, or threatened. As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, the overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, angels nor demons, fears of today nor worries of tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. 
no power in the sky, above or below, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love that is revealed in Christ Jesus for us. This devastatingly persistent grace is all designed to do one thing. Make it so that you can love him back. Can anything separate us from the will of God? Nothing can force you to be separated from God's will. There isn't a pry bar big enough. But because he's interested in love, there is one thing that can separate you from the will of God. You. You can choose it, and he will let you. That's how devastating and persistent this grace is. I really want to be in a love relationship with you, says God. But if you won't enter in and stay in it, I'm going to love on you. But it's not a love relationship because you are not loving back. how wide, let's see, let's see if we say this wide, if the Pacific Ocean is wide, let's use that as our definition, you can't get far enough, but that's, that's not, nothing wide can separate you from the love of God, and if the Pacific Ocean is deep, and, and I think you can make a case that it's deep, a couple of Mount Everest's deep. And even that, you couldn't get down to the depths far enough to get away from this grace. But nothing anybody else can do to you will separate you from this grace. Now, it might make your spirit groan inside you when somebody does something to you. I mean, I'm talking about the real world here. Nothing can separate you from this grace of God that keeps being poured out on you continually, ever, always, just persistently, that everything we do is within that framework. And I'll do this one last example, just just so that, you know, um, I was asked a question the other day about the Jonah story. And I don't know how many of you know Jonah very well, but Jonah is considered an anti-prophet. He does everything wrong, and still people are saved and moved by God's word. But at one point, he's, out, he's asleep in a boat, and they're in a terrible storm. And the sailors come up to him, and they say, What's up with that? Why are you asleep? Why aren't you praying to your God to stop the storm like we are? And he says, Because it's my fault. If you throw me in the the ocean, the storm will stop. And they try to find some other things to do. It's a very short little spot there, but then they end up throwing him in and the sea calms. I was asked this question uh, about uh, six months ago, and it goes like this. How come when we're in the middle of a deep storm, we don't... You know, we're out on a boat and it gets crazy. How come we don't look to see um, who to throw in the water? (laughs) What's different 
Because they lived in a world where clearly the gods needed some sort of sacrifice to appease them. And, and it was, well, they didn't really want to throw Jonah in. In the end, they said, right, well, the only way to appease this god is to sacrifice Jonah to him. And over he goes. <laughs> and we don't think that way anymore, do we? Aren't, aren't you glad that you're not the one asleep in the boat when the storm's going on and everybody's going, she's out of here. <laughs> I mean, we don't think that way because in between Jonah and us came Jesus. And Jesus changed the world's understanding of how to interact with God. Even those that don't completely believe in him and don't trust him, they're changed because they don't think about throwing people overboard anymore. Just think about that for a second. I can, I can see the wheels turning about how we might think about throwing certain people over. But when it gets down to it, I don't think we would do it. And we wouldn't seriously consider it because of this persistent grace that God was saying. First he said to Abraham and Isaac, let's not do child sacrifice because that's really the, a bad thing to do. And then he's starting to not, and, and the sacrifices get minimized and minimized. And pretty soon Jesus takes it and says, that's not what God's after. God, your sacrifices to God were never going to give you permanent absolution from what was going on. Only Jesus' sacrifice, who's also God who's so persistent in this grace that it changes the world not just for the people that believe but for the people that don't believe think about that for a second how much does God pour his great grace out on us that even while we were not believers he acted and changed our world what can separate us from this love of God? Nothing can separate you unwillingly. So let yourself be pulled into this God-shaped life that's being offered. Everything we do is within that framework of that grace. Let's live that way. Jesus, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for blue skies and just fabulous weather. I ask you to protect the firefighters that sometimes this sort of dry blue sky hot creates a need for. I thank you for your grace and your love and your precious name. Amen.